We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning, baseball fans here in Chicago and listening around the globe on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Live from the Hyundai Studios, this is Hit and Run, Score's venerable baseball show. I am Barry Reisner, and my partner in perpetuity is Joe Ostrowski. We'll be with you until 1245, taking you up to Cubs baseball, right here on your radio home of the Chicago Cubs. Good morning, Joe Ostrowski. Good morning, Barry Rosner. I don't even know, what, almost four hours if we're going to have enough time this week. We've got so much going on with you, Darvish, and that wild game at Wrigley yesterday. Uh, this Chris Basio stuff and Sammy Sosa. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, well, and I, we I just e- watched Sammy Sosa walk off an interview. Well, we even have time to get to Chris Bosio and Sammy Sosa. Well, we'll make time. Do we really have to talk about Sammy Sosa? Are you really interested in Sammy Sosa at No, all? I've been sick of the story when I saw a guy that we've had on the show, Ben Ryder, write about it the other day. I rolled my eyes, but but then he took a shot at Ernie Banks and... And finally, we got somebody in an interview that was pressing him and not nodding along and helping him along in an interview. They just kept asking in Jeremy Schapp. And unfortunately, it's going to be a big story the next couple of days because ESPN teased us with a couple of lines, but they didn't hit us with everything that happened in that interview. And by the way, he just grabbed the wrong bat, too. Yeah, yeah, just grabbed the wrong bat. Um, yeah, Joe's referring to the to the cork bat story, yeah. I assume. Of course, um, of course. The real story there, I'll give you this. I'll give you this nugget. The real story there. I know you don't want to talk about it, but this is why I bring it up to you, because you have more information than anybody on this. Well, um, Bud Selig's people called down from Milwaukee during that game, called someone in the Cubs front office, and said, our people are coming down from Milwaukee. They're leaving right now. They're going to want all of the evidence. You got it? You understand what I'm saying? We're leaving now. It'll take about an hour and a half. During the game. Yeah. We'll be there in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Are you following what I'm saying? We're going to be there in an hour and a half. The Fed's we're calling gonna, ahead of time. We're going to gonna sure. want all of your evidence. You you, you hear me? Do you hear, you hear what I'm saying? So we'll be there in an hour and a half. Uh, have everything ready for us. So, of course, that gave... The Cubs, an hour and a half, or certain people involved, an hour and a half to get rid of all the evidence, the actual evidence, so that when the when MLB got there, there was nothing. There were no other cork bats. That's the that's the cheating part that's forgotten about yeah. too in in all of this. Yeah, um, I know, I know who was involved in making sure that everything else that that may have been tainted was removed. And because uh, you had to, how tempting if you're a part of that organization and I, and I know he filled up the ballpark, a lot of eyeballs made them a lot of money, but I'm sure some people and we're making some of that cash really tempted to just let something happen. 
well, maybe you'll find this an accident. Yeah, well, he was very he was disliked by by everyone, by all of his team. There's a lot of rewriting of history. I find it funny too that people in this town are now writing about Sammy Sosa. They weren't even here when it happened. They weren't even here when when Sosa was here, and now they're they're Sammy Sosa experts. I think that's pretty funny. But the you know the 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 rewriting of history in regards to how how beloved he was. His teammates all hated him. He was a really bad guy. He was really disliked. What happened to his he, property as soon as he walked out? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, and, and and here we are getting into it. Here see, we, here see, we, here but, we are but getting, you're sharing stories that people aren't aware of. All right, well, all right, th- you should know this. Like he's being punished for his steroids. He's being punished for for walking out on the team after the uh, the the 2004 season the cubs created frankenstein's monster okay they created it and then they punished him afterward when they enabled him and they promoted him and they profited from him look i'm not a sosa guy i can't stand the guy there's nothing about him that i like there's nothing about there are no redeeming qualities there in spite of the you know the incredible story from from poverty to to massive wealth which is which is, you know, the great American success story, for especially for a poor kid from the Dominican. But as a person, there's no redeeming qualities there. And I, I felt really disgusted having to do this after 04, but I defended him in this regard. You created this guy. In the summer of 1997, Andy McPhail, who I have tremendous respect for, decided to sign him to a four-year, $40 million extension. He didn't have to do that. He he knew exactly what he was. But you know what Sosa was? He was a cash cow for the Cubs. Damn right. And the decision they made at that point, this is before 98, this is before everything else. They already knew a lot about Sammy Sosa, including the fact that he was gaining 25 pounds every winter, okay? And it was their decision at that point to extend him and to create this monster. And at the end of the, the last day of the 1997 season, Ed Lynch and Jim Riggleman called him into the office on Saturday night, on Saturday night in St. Louis. Final game of the season is Sunday. It's another miserable season for the Cubs, 97. They called him in and said, look, you gotta be, you got to come back a different player next year. You're making a lot of money. You're a big star on this team. You have to be a better baseball player for us. That weekend, he had gotten thrown out at least once, if not twice, trying to steal third. We're trying to steal second in situations where you don't because he desperately wanted his 30-30. And so, and it had happened the week before. I'm trying to remember where we were. Might have been at home. I, I, there, there was a situation in San Diego that year. You know, be, you know f- first out at, at uh, third base kind of thing. You know, stealing third, trying to get his stolen bases. Anyway, they call him in on Saturday night and they say, look, you're going to have to come back next year a better player. You can't be this guy. And, I mean, they really gave it to him. So he comes out in 98, and he was a better baseball player. He was playing better in the outfield. He was playing smarter on the bases. Then he has the 20 home run June. He becomes an international superstar. And that was the end of that. Mm -hmm. Forever, that was the end of that. He got bigger. He got stronger. He got fatter. He got slower. He became more one-dimensional. And that was it. That was it. Sammy Sosa became a cartoon character from that point forward. So the Cubs continued to extend him. They continued to pay him. They continued to enable him. They let him do whatever he wanted to do. 
And then in the end, after they've made a lot of money off of ticket sales and beer sales and hot dog sales and advertising, after all that, on his way out the door, because they had no use for him anymore at the end of 94, they released the video and they exposed him and say he walked out on the team. Now, I am no defender of Sammy Sosa. I mean, he's a giant pile of stuff. But that's, you know, that that's just, that's unacceptable at that point. You can't have it both ways. But when they no longer needed him, they bust-tossed him in a hurry. They they didn't hesitate at all to do that. Speaking of enabling, players like Sosa made me sick the other day. Bud Selig comes out and says that he's got to come clean. Shut up. Bud Selig said Bud Selig said right, You'll this. forgive me. I've spent the last six days up at the uh, the PGA Championship. Well, that's, yeah. So I, I, I did not. Everybody uh, saw on your timeline. <laughs> I did not. Um, I, I did not know about this. Bud Selig. About, <laughs> Winnipeg Jets fans. How much money did he make off Sosa McGuire? Um, Bud Selig profited more than, than anyone, right? any person involved in the game that didn't hit a baseball to the tune of about $200 million. That's extraordinary. And he's in the Hall of Fame. The steroids commissioner is in the Hall of Fame. That's incredible. And, and people Bud try Se- to make the argument that his legacy is the how he changed the playoff, how he brought in the wild card. Not a shot. Are you kidding me? Legacy is steroids. Yes. That's incredible. I'm sorry that I missed that. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit? Like, where I was really that from? And it, it was on a podcast this week. And I don't think it made a lot of national news, but I did see that. That's so. extraordinary. Was that Buster? No. Oh. No. It was uh, locally, I believe. Okay. I don't know the name offhand. That, that's extraordinary. We should give credit to whoever that is. But that that's extraordinary. Coming from him, the hypocrisy. This hour on The Score is brought to you by Grandview Homes. Grandview will buy your home today. Go to grandviewhomes.com. Here's what's on the show today, Joe. As always, lots of Cubs and White Sox conversation this first hour with you and throughout the show. Hope you'll join us at 312-644-6767. At 10 o'clock, we'll spend some time with former Cubs manager Jim Riggleman, whose Reds took care of the Cubs last weekend in Cincinnati. They see the Cubs again this week. At 11, Nationals GM Mike Rizzo stops by for a chat. At 11.40, we'll go National with Scott Miller. He's an MLB columnist for Bleacher Report. You can also hear him on Sirius XM, MLB Network, Fox Sports San Diego. He was the co-author, is the co-author, of 90% Mental. Uh, We talked to Bob Tewksbury, what, maybe a month or two ago, Joe? And at 11 o'clock, it's our weekly, sorry, at noon, it's our weekly visit with the score's very own Bruce Levine. Our producer, director, and engineer is Eli Hershkovich. I am at Barry Rosner on Twitter. Joe is at Joe0670. The hit and run account is hit and run 670. You can follow that show. You should you can follow that account, and you should follow that account. For show updates, the phone number is 312-644-6767. You can also join in at 670-11 via the text zone on the score. If you text us, you'll get a text back acknowledging your text standard message. And data rates may apply. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about Sammy Sosa at all. I know. But you forced me to. It was just on, and here's the thing. It's going to be everywhere tomorrow. It's going to be everywhere. But I think everybody listening got something out of that. You threw me for a loop with the Selig thing. That is, 
That is the height. But isn't it? But is it surprising at all? No, he's a real. He also a, a, a just an absolute useless human being, Bud Selig. <laughs> I I love the stories. How many times he would call you and try to work on you? We hey, th- this Rosner over at the Daily Herald. He's out of Chicago. He covers the Cubs a long time. You know, he's really against us. I'm going to call him into my office, and, may, and maybe he'll just he'll love me so much. I'll impress him so much. We'll sit down and have lunch, have a lunch, you know. come. On, how about this Rosner guy? We'll work on him. Well, and then I, uh, how many times did that happen? You know, when he was, when he was the quote-unquote interim commissioner in the early 90s and a big part of all the work stoppages— and I was a beat guy. I used to go see him in Chandler in Arizona when he was also the owner of the Brewers. Yeah, no conflict of interest there at all. Oh, it's ridiculous. And he actually was terrific. I mean, he had an open-door policy. And whenever we were in Chandler, I'd stop in and see him. So I had a relationship with him. I knew him. And he was a – I think I've told you this before. He was a great source of information because Bud is one of the – he's he's one of the most underhanded guys you could possibly ever come across. Uh, someone once told me as commissioner, he he would promise 10 owners one thing. He would buy the votes of 10 owners with other things and lie to the other 10 owners. I mean, he was just a great— He's he was, like a gambling tout. He was a great manipulator. On this yeah. station, I'm going to say this side. Absolutely on this true. station, I'm going to say that side. So 100% of the listeners will never be mad at me. One of the grand manipulators of all time. But he knew everybody and he knew everything. So if you went to Bud, Bud knew what you needed to know. Bud had information. So I had a relationship with him. But once I became a columnist and once he became the steroids commissioner, and after, especially after the, you know, the disaster that was 1994, 1995, I did not uh, find myself on Bud Selig's side, really, <laughs> on anything. And he would call me. You're right. He would call me from time to time to work on me, to try to get me to see his point of view. And ultimately, he just gave up. By around, I would say the year 2000, he just gave up. <laughs> he so how many years was that? There, did the, you say? What? The, the, that he was did, working on you? Probably the latter half of the 90s. There was a pro- probably about five years there where he worked me pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, the man led a coup. I, I the, learned quicker. The man led... <laughs> I'm not the smartest guy. <laughs> the man led a coup d'état. I mean, they removed a commissioner. They removed a commissioner as one of the owners who did not like that the commissioner was the commissioner of baseball, not the commissioner of the owners. He led a coup. <laughs> I mean, think about that. At the time, he and Stan Cook, yeah, and the O'Malley's. They led a coup and they removed a commissioner and installed himself in a banana republic. I mean, this is one of the worst people ever in the sport of baseball. And now he's, I mean, he, uh, you but know, Sammy I, should come clean. Yes, yeah, Sammy. He's lucky should come people clean. don't care about owners and commissioners. This is a guy who worked with Jeff Loria to destroy a franchise in Montreal and take it away from the people of Montreal. Sell it to John Henry. Who then? I'm sorry. Sell it. Sell it then uh, to the to the game of baseball, allowing Jeff Luria to buy the Marlins from John Henry, who could then buy the Red Sox, and then 
the game of baseball could sell the the Expos to a new Washington franchise, and the game made $400 million on it, which all the owners split. See, Rob Manfred's not that bad. Compared to Bud Selig? <laughs> yes, no. I'm, I'm saying the bar no. is extremely low No, I, I don't – yeah. I Look, uh, Manfred has some weird ideas, but at least he's trying. I don't – and I don't know this. He was Bud's right-hand man for a really long time, so he yeah, learned a lot from Bud. That's what that, always bothered which me. Which is scary, but yeah. I don't know that he would go about doing the things to the game that Bud Selig did. I mean, this is – this is one devious, uh, deceitful, bad guy who came off as your doddering, uh, you know, Uncle Lou, who had no idea, you know, what day of the week it was and where he was going. And meanwhile, yeah. he's working the phones and he's promising 10, lying to 10 more and buying the other 10 in some other fashion. I mean, <laughs> He tried to buy Barry Rosner, but Ros wasn't having it. Uh, This is integrity. We have a lot to get to. Yes. Um, How great was yesterday? Just We've talked about launch angle so much, and Joe was talking about it on Friday. (laughs) The look on his face after that game. (laughs) Let's get to the Cubs and what's happened the last few days and what may be happening over the next few months. We'll talk about the White Sox. Some weird things in the White Sox game last night that bothered me a little bit. I know you laugh at me, but you laugh at me a lot, so that won't be a surprise. Let's do those things next on Hit and Run on the Score. You still say that it wasn't intentional. You weren't using a cork bat. During games, just batting practice. Because, yeah, you know, you know, because, you know, my, you know, my, uh, you know, all you know, the home run that I hit, you know, was without that. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 2 and 0 oh, to Hicks with Judge on deck, and Arietta deals, swung on and hit in the air to center field and deep. Herrera back on the track. He's at the wall, and she is gone. Just a little bit right of dead center. Hicks hit a two hit a two ball, no strike, count home run. I started to say over the center field wall. Hicks hits one to the sticks. What's your take on them for a second? Hicks hits one to the sticks. Your guy's been on vacation all week, so you haven't missed much with all the LPGA duties. Where's he at? I don't know. He doesn't ever take time off, does he? But I Is caught... he one of those guys who just works every single day? No, no I don't think so. No? Not at this stage of your career. I uh, I caught some of Matt Beskersion filling in for him the other day. <laughs> Phenomenal. He had... Did he make fun of Russo the whole time? Made fun of Russo. <laughs> it... He was basically doing hit and run. He made fun of Russo and he made fun of Harold Reynolds the entire time. <laughs> he had he's he was doing a radio show on TV. He's got this computer with drops of Russo and Reynolds that he played the entire hour, the entire hour. Just making them there, sound like tell me on that. the idiots they are. It was phenomenal, and he's doing the straight face thing, just comfortable, relax, just talking to you at home. Just making fun of Russo and Reynolds. So I'm doing like 14 hours a day up at Kemper. It's just phenomenal. You know, it's 110 degree heat index. I'm walking 10 miles a day. It's just, I mean, it's a major championship. Great venue. 10 miles a day. It's phenomenal. 
just phenomenal. But I'm getting home late, and what I'm seeing when I get home late is I'm seeing Harold at night. And I think it was Friday night that he was on with Amsinger, who does his level best to try to make that some <laughs> some sort of a show with Provide Harold. something for the viewer. Imp- I mean, how do you respond to someone like that? It's really difficult. He's not watching any games. He's not making any point. He's not bringing anything to the show. Absolutely nothing. And Friday night, they're on with Darling. And Darling's phenomenal. Dar- Darling is explaining how you throw a scuffed ball. Yeah, that's and how he, you pick his brain about pitching and on how, the show. And how he doesn't understand why everybody throws out that, you know, every... Like Maddox, when he got a ball that had been used, the last thing he wanted was somebody to take it out of play. In fact, sometimes there would be fights with with catchers and umpires and first base coaches and third base coaches or infielders if they made the mistake of tossing out a ball that you could use to your advantage. Sometimes the two teams would fight. Like if a first, like if a uh, you know if a ball was out of play and a first base coach had it, first base coach doesn't want the pitcher to have a good scuffed ball, so he'd toss it out of play and you'd sometimes see dugouts yelling at each other. Ron Darling was explaining how you use a scuffed ball. And he said sometimes, especially in Houston, and this is in reference to Mike Scott, who was one of the all-time scuffers. Mm-hmm. He said when you were in Houston, you always got a good ball to use because they didn't throw every ball out of play. So, you know, everybody in Houston was cheating. So you'd get to the mound and you'd always have a good ball to use. He <laughs> said, He said if it was scuffed in just the right way, you didn't even have to throw a two-seamer or a changeup. You could just throw a straight four-seam fastball, and the ball would dart all over the place. Like, nobody knew where it was going. You didn't, the catcher didn't, the hitter didn't. Hitter had no chance. But he's explaining if the scuff was on a, on a specific side of the ball, which seams you would hold to try to get it to move the other way. And he said it was like a screwball. He said it was the screwball I could never throw. He said scuff ball. So he's explaining it's fascinating, right? If you're a baseball dork like me, it's fascinating to watch this. It's like having a conversation with Maddox about about how you how you throw a two seamer or how you make your change up your circle change move move down to the right or down to the left. He's doing all this, and Harold jumps into the middle of it and 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 brings up something that happened um, while he was in Seattle that was completely irrelevant to the conversation. I mean, here you have this genius of a pitcher, right? who's really articulate and really good at explaining this, and Harold just stops the conversation. And Amsinger's lost. He's just lost. Like, he doesn't, he, he just goes, uh... What do you do? Right. Do you completely ignore the guy that's sitting in that chair every single day, Harold, and it's his, you know, it's his show? Like, what do you do as the host Honestly, of that don't know. Honestly, don't know. I mean, he does that a lot. He'll, sometimes he'll just, he'll throw it to a highlight package or throw it to a live look-in or something. I mean, what do you do? Every time I see him, he says, what's up, blood? All the time. So he's got something for everybody. Yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time. Best scares you kept playing a drop of Harold saying, social media has changed the world. <laughs> I like Every Vas- time there's a tweet or anything. I like Vasco. Do you like him? Yes, I'm a fan. I remember when he was doing XFL. Like he was brought in as a hot young announcer to come in and carry that, and, you know, and then he quit after a year. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm all right." You know, he would be the Cubs announcer right now. 
Yes. He, he couldn't get out of his deal. They wanted um, Dave O'Brien, but Dave O'Brien couldn't get out of his deal. Wow. And Vaskersian couldn't get out of his deal. And Len was the third member of that group. They were talking to all three of them. Well, had Vaskersian come to the Cubs, he would not still be with the Cubs, right? Look at him now. Because he just had such a national profile. He was obviously profiling nationally. He's too good. He's doing Sunday night baseball with... He's working for competing networks. That's how good he is. They came up with that agreement. That's pretty unusual. Yeah. That they'll let you do that. But you're right. He is really good. Although, I mean, the it, it, look, it for a guy like him, it doesn't matter. It's not something he cares about. But he'll never be better than he was when it was him and DeRosa and Lauren Shahadi on, on MLB Central. I mean, it was just three people. You know how this matters to me. Because we hear a lot of shows on the radio and we watch a lot of shows on TV. And we hear a lot of booths, you know, broadcast booths. Where people obviously don't like each other or have no interest in one another, and there's no chemistry, and it's awful. The broadcast is just awful all the time, all day, all night, in a lot of places. And you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling anybody. Oh, they think they are, and they're all superstars. You're not fooling anybody. That show, they all, I mean, they clearly had a really good time together, and it's enjoyable when people who know what they're talking about can have a good time together. Just it just it, it just worked. You, you mean know? like what friends do? Make yeah. fun of each other and all laugh about it, right. and not get upset about it and start back talking. I mean, come on, that's what happens. Uh, by the way, yes. the hit and run is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Coach Fitz and the Wildcats host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Illinois, and more teams this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. The bottom of the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Campland RV. Are you stuck in traffic? Wish you could get away. Now you can with Campland RV's 57th anniversary sale. Now through the end of June, take advantage of great deals on RVs to help you enjoy the great outdoors. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Uh, I said we would do this. We didn't do this, but we will. When we come back... Let's get into the Cubs, their approach at the plate over the last few days, the varying ways in which they've gone about winning games. We've got to talk about their starting rotation and some things that are happening in baseball and uh, just wonder what's going to happen with this team going forward. We will do all that next on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you till 1245, taking you up to Cubs baseball. The Cubs have 35 runs in their last three games. They had 34 in the nine games before that. And that's great. Uh, They are listening to Joe Madden more and more. They had, what, 17 singles yesterday of their 20 hits? Correct. 17 singles, three doubles, no home runs. It's it's what Joe has been preaching all year, all year Look at any one of those singles, right? That I of the ones uh, that I saw, a lot of them looked up the middle and the other way, and specifically 
there were a couple of one-handed swings where I think Rizzo was one, I think Al Mora was one, where they just said, I'm just putting the bat on the ball. Yes. That's all. I'm just putting the bat on the ball. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. They're shifting all over. I'm just going to put the bat on the ball. Thank you. Same thing stood out to me. So I was looking through the box score, which RBI hits went up the middle or opposite field. These are the ones that went up the middle. Elmore RBI sack fly, Bodie RBI single, Hap RBI single, Hayward RBI single, Baez two-run double, Contreras RBI sack fly. Opposite field, Hayward RBI single, Russell RBI single. Nice. This is how you can win baseball games in the postseason. Mm-hmm. When you're facing lots of ones and twos and closers. At that point, your launch angle is going to get you in a lot of trouble. And this is what Joe has been preaching over and over and over again. Joe Mann deserves a lot of credit for this because it is not easy to push back against the loudest voices in the game. The loudest voices in the game, the bullies. And the popular who, trends that's te- going on with Who tell you guys. you can only play the game a certain way. Yeah, You can only do certain things. You can only strike out, walk, and hit home runs. The loudest voices will tell you that is the only way you can play baseball. And Joe Mann, to his credit, says, no, you're wrong. You can still play baseball in other ways. Of course there's a time and a place for a home run. I mean, early in a count, you guess right. You're thinking, get me over breaking ball. You're looking for an opportunity. Nobody on base. It's a scoreless game. There's a lot of opportunities for that. Yeah, drop your shoulder and try and fire, especially when you think you know location and you think you know the spin. Of course there's opportunities, but not every single pitch of every single game when you're trying to drive in runs. Maybe late in the game, you're just trying to win a game. It's okay to win a game with a little soft base hit to right field or a line drive to the wall that splits the gap and clears the bases. You even saw it from Ian Happ. Ian, half of everybody in this lineup, and it was everybody. There wasn't one person where I walked away from yesterday's game. I said, oh, that was a poor approach. You you get it like usual from Zobrist and Rizzo every single time. You were getting it from Almora and Hayward. Everybody that was out there. Hayward specific. I mean, it's nothing new for Rizzo. Hayward, if he's going to continue to go the other way, this thing could be real. This thing could last. You if laughed at me. If, <laughs> if he's if he's willing, what's that? You laughed at me. I I, I laughed at you because you said because you said congratulations on being a major league player. I brought it up early in the season, <laughs> and I think I was jumping the gun there because then he his, he dropped back down a little bit. But but yeah, okay. So a couple of weeks ago, we brought up on the show that his numbers are in line with Jason Hayward pre Cubs. 2010 to 2015 when he was with the Cardinals and the Braves. Now they're better. He's hitting 291, a 349 on base, slugging 440. Pre-Cubs, he hit 268 with a 353 on base and 431 slugging. Very close in those last two. Addison Russell over the last two months is slugging about, uh, what, about 600 or something like that. Um. 500 over the last two months, roughly. He is, this is according to Chris Kompka, this was a shock to me. He has consecutive four RBI games, the first time a Cubs shortstop has ever done that. 
Ernie Banks was back-to-back MVPs as a Cubs shortstop. He never did that. Apparently, I mean, according to Chris Kemp, I, and mm-hmm. I believe him. Uh, Sean Dunson was a pretty good hitter. Later in his career, became something of an RBI uh, specialist. What would you guess Addison Russell's war is right now? Um, two, two six. That's good. It's two four. So we are at the midway point of the season at this moment. On pace, how, how would you feel about a four eight? I feel pretty good about yeah, that. I think, I think considering you would. his first month of the season. Yeah, the how's your Manny Machado narrative ah, going, thank folks? You. I know um, you you brought the billboard to the South Side and and you wanted that <laughs> Machado well, for funny, Russell trade. You know the reason it was so ridiculous then and continues to be now is what I said at the time, which is that you have a starting rotation that is underperforming, and if it doesn't perform. Uh, you are in big trouble, and as and you don't need Manny Machado. What you need is people to get outs in the rotation and in the bullpen, and that is still true today. You have a problem, mm-hmm. Joe Ostrowski. I mean, it's been great to watch him score runs the last few days, and the wind's blowing out, and there's going to be some tough days. And, and this but is John Lester- expected, too. You've seen this yeah. offense over the last few years. The weather's... The heat index won a weight yesterday. You know where that ball's going. You have John Lester with a 2-7 war. Having a terrific year. Mm. Although some of, some of his peripherals uh, raise an eyebrow. All of them. You have... My, <laughs> you they're, have really, you're, they're really scary. You have Montgomery is a 0.5. You have Hendricks is a 0.3. You have Quintana, who's a negative 0.2. You have Chatwood, who's a 0.3. You have Darvish who's a zero three. He might be a negative three either way. Uh, That is for a starting rotation, which cost you a lot of money in dollars and a, and a lot in prospects. Unacceptable, unacceptable. Mm -hmm. The chat with thing is just, it's miserable. I mean, I, I, you know, I want to, I want to jab pens through my eyes when I'm, when I'm watching him pitch. It's, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what you do. If you're Theo Epstein and you don't have the credibility Theo Epstein does, you cannot go to Tom Ricketts and say, look, I know I spent a lot of money on John Lester and Tyler Chatwood and you Darvish, and I know I gave a lot up to get Jose Quintana. And and let's not let Hendricks off the hook here. No, Hendricks has his last yeah. three or four starts. Awful. Yeah. No, I mean he's searching for something and he's not finding it, and it's scary. I mean, look, if you were to if you were going into the playoffs today, how would you feel about this rotation? You're not going anywhere. You're going home is where you're going. The, the, the way they're going right now, you would consider, boy, I feel second best about Mike Montgomery. Uh, I don't even know his last couple nuts, not so good. Which you expect. And at some point, if you're also remember, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said as much as I liked Montgomery, his yeah. peripherals also looked bad when you looked at him two weeks ago. But at least he's a ground ball pitcher. But if you're going to keep him in the rotation for the rest of the season, and at the moment, that's what it sounds like they're going to do. Okay, most amount of min- innings he's thrown in his career is 130. Okay, he's knocking on 70 already. And Quintana's a, a, a five inning guy, although who isn't a five inning guy anymore, right? But he got all these five inning guys outside of Leicester. Well, let's just and, go to the opener. And and you know what? 
Yeah. Well, that's funny. I mean, you know, that's fine. I know that's really cute. I know that that's a cute thing for the for the hard, for the far right wing of the sabermetric party. And the, the, I mean, the hardcore guys. I know it's cute. Just know I know it's their, you. I know it's their dream come true. Where are you going to find the arms? It's a simple question. Do you like the state of pitching in today's game, Joe? Do you think there's a? I mean, is there like a surplus of good arms? Yeah, there's like seven. There's like seven that you can uh, count I mean, on seven innings every day. Like okay. Chris Sale was the but, guy that went last night. He's one of them. What I'm saying though is beyond the fact that there's very little starting pitching. Where are you going to find the arms for all? Uh, you want to you want to use nine nine pitchers every day. That's your dream. Nine pitchers every day. Where are you going to find the arms? Are the Cubs using nine pitchers every day? Because they're pretty darn close. And and because pitch, everybody's going four or five. And and where is this going if they don't get some rest for some of these bullpen guys who are throwing every? How many day? times have I told you CC Shack needs to go in the DL right now? <laughs> You've been saying it for a while, and you and you're not wrong. And so the idea of bullpenning while cute, it's 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 unmanageable because there's just not enough arms. There, there I mean, aren't. Can, but look at the Cubs bullpen right now. Half of it was in Iowa in April. So this is where you end up. Now you're waiting on CJ Edwards to come back. Morrow just came back. These injuries. This is what you're going to deal with probably all season. And then. If Milwaukee hangs around, Milwaukee adds a starting pitcher like we expect, are you going to have that last month to be able to breeze through it? I don't know. The Manny Machado thing, while, while, while you know, fun, fun to goof around with, is absurd because you need starting pitching and you need bullpen arms and you need lots of them. And like I said, if you're Theo Epstein and you didn't have his track record and you didn't, you know, do what he did, historically for this franchise, there's no way you could go to your owner and say, after everything I've already done, I need more starting pitching. But Theo can say and do anything he wants to do. And the National League is wide open, and it's very winnable. And if he believes this is a team good enough to win the World Series, he has to go find some starting pitching. And it it is staggering to be sitting here on my calculations. It is, uh, by my (laughs) calculations, July 1st. Welcome to July. Thank you. Happy 4th of July, everyone. It's staggering to be sitting here on July 1st saying that they need starting pitching. This was supposed to be a top five rotation. Okay. So you have to consider now what what you wouldn't have thought was even a possibility at the start of the year. You have to think about where you're going to find starting pitching. And I don't know if the Mets are serious now. It's funny, a week ago before Sandy Alderson told us that he was sick, the Mets were no way were they going to consider moving uh, Syndergaard or DeGrom. Now everything, quote-unquote, everything is on the table in New York. And I don't know how serious they are or what it would take, but believe me, the Braves and the Brewers and the Phillies, Phillies. and the Yankees and the Dodgers, to name just a few teams, they're all going to be in on, on, on those two guys. And that could shift the balance of power in the National League. I don't know if the Cubs have what it takes to get one of those guys without removing significant pieces off the Major League roster. Fulmer's name has been out there. Archer's name will always be out there (laughs) until he stops playing baseball. See, when you say we need starting pitching, there are a couple directions to go. The names that you're talking about right now or somebody that's just going to help you get to the end of the season, just to get through this. There's a guy on the south side. 
You don't. You wouldn't have to give up a lot. You don't have a ton of prospects right now that could help you get through the season. I know because people, at some point you're going to have to go to a six man probably because they have another long stretch of twenty some games, twenty one or twenty two games in twenty one or twenty two days. Yeah, people are going to laugh at you because you mentioned James I, Shields. I know, but he, but and it's so obvious. Yeah. But yeah. he's a guy that could help you just get through this. Here's my question though, and and your point is, is spot on. But are you going to limp in? like you did last year and think that you're going to go far or are you going to do something big again and hope that you don't limp in so that you can get through what, you know, right now looks like a wide open national league. And even then, and look, if, if you're the Cubs and I know if you're a Cub fan, this, this is not what you want to hear, but if you're Cubs management, you're looking at the American league and you have before you, do something huge, you have to say to yourself, if we did get to the World Series, are we really competing with the Yankees? Are we really competing with Boston? Are we really competing with Houston at this point? If the answer is yes, and it might be, then you then you you go for it again. I mean, this is your window. You're in your window. You're not you're not saving for a rainy day here. This is your window. The last thing you want to do is look back and say, wow, we wasted one of Chris Bryant's prime years right there, or one of Anthony Rizzo's prime years, or Wilson Contreras' big-time seasons in that window. And the positive for the Cubs is those teams you mentioned, they would only have to play one of them, assuming the Indians don't break through. I mean, that that could happen. Yeah. They're going to walk to the uh, postseason. My apologies to Cleveland for leaving them out. That rotation makes them a serious player. You have to lose someone on this major league roster for those names you're talking about. We're well, talking may, maybe about maybe more than one, wh- right? For right? for a Degrom, well, more yeah. Than if one, you're getting in, in that territory, Cindergard and and the control, yeah, for a I mean, few seasons. Look, the Mets are in a great position if they're actually willing to do this. If they're actually willing to to go the the route of look the what White the Cubs Sox gave up for Quintana, yeah, not in the same world as those two names, yeah. If you if they're really willing to do it, then they should hold out for whatever they absolutely want. And there's no rush. They don't have to do it now. They don't have to do it now. Although given the, the injury history of Mets starters, you risk you you take a risk if you wait. So there's been a lot of rumors this week about Arizona that they would be in on Machado. Because how much longer are they can have Goldschmidt? This is their small window, so why not go for it? Would they just go over the top and try to add one of those names? Well, I could see why they would want to do it. The National League they better, is up for whoever wants yeah, it. They they need, you know, like everybody else, they need starting pitching too. Yeah. I don't know that that's – I mean, I could see them doing it for sure, but that doesn't put them over the top. It's a nice piece but their pitching is just not good enough. Well, if if you add one of those names we're talking about, I personally, I think it would put him over the top to win the NL West. I thought you meant Machado. I thought you were oh, talking oh, about oh. Machado. Machado would not put them over the top. Well, one of the, I, one I, of, I don't believe that whichever team does it, I don't, yeah, I don't think that position player that can easily go 0 for 4, nothing against Manny Machado, would be an over-the-top move. I, I was mentioning to you a little bit earlier, a, a few minutes ago, about Addison Russell and what he's done this year. I mean, 
Manny Machado, the offense is great, but if he's going to be your shortstop, he's a negative player. Yeah. He's a negative player. I believe that Russell's war is higher than Machado, which is pretty wild. Really? Here, let me pull it Machado's up. Machado's not a, uh, he, he's not more than a 2-4. I find that hard to believe. Well, it's a 3-6 on offense and a negative 1-5 on defense. Wow. So you want him at third base, but it doesn't, yes. I don't know if he's dead set on, I must be a shortstop. Well, it doesn't matter if he's traded, he'll play where you want to play him. Right. When he's a free agent, then he can, he can dictate terms. But, but, but also the team that trades for him in the back of their mind, probably in the front, they want to keep him. So they want to keep him happy. Well, I understand that, but he'll play and he wants to win. So. All right, uh, Joe, we got to take a break. We will get back to this Cubs conversation. We are not finished with it. We have not even approached the White Sox yet. We'll get to that as well. But coming up next, former Cubs manager, current Reds manager, Jim Riggleman, right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 